All right, my friend, this is Joe Bakmutsky. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Power to Be Happy, where we talk about healing from trauma. And today I'm super excited because I'm talking to Clap Richard, who is teaching yoga in an incredibly different way, which is really designed to be helping us to be healing from trauma, which is very different from a lot of yoga that we see out there. And today we're going to talk about like how it works, you know, what makes it different and how it can help us in healing and how it can help us just in living a happier and more fulfilled life. So Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Joe. It's such a treat to be here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Claire. Well, before we really get to talk about, um, you know, uh, trauma and yoga, let's talk about what trauma is. Like, how would you define it, given everything that you have seen and know and experienced? Yeah. So um, I think we can, I would say we could sort of define a traumatic experience, uh, something that happens to a person and um, something that endangers their life or they perceive it to be life-threatening. Um, and really important to note that in that situation, they have no um, sense of choice or um, control, no sense of power over what's happening. But when we talk about trauma, it's as in your question, if I define that as differently, um, it's maybe more useful to think about what it is that happens inside the person who has that experience, because that's really personal and really subjective. And um, how a traumatic experience impacts a person and how they then exist in the world, it varies so much, varies so much. Um, and for some people that can, that impact, that uh, can become enorm enormously debilitating, uh, enormously destructive. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought up the impact because so often, this impact goes unseen and sometimes even unfelt to a certain extent to Absolutely. the person going through it, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think even though that the impact or how that how that impacts a person can vary so greatly, uh, there is also a lot of normalising, which is uh, quite useful in that, that we're, instead of feeling uh, individualised in that it, aftermath of trauma to know that the things that might be going on for us or within us that are sort of perceived as, oh, you know, I'm I'm just crazy or I'm not coping, to know what the normal, what the, what is a normal response to uh, being in that experience, in that situation and having all of your power and control taken away from you, there are some uh, impacts of that that we can now look at particularly looking at the how our brain responds we can really understand what is going on yeah absolutely and so i guess what i'm also hearing you say uh, is that then healing or part of healing journey towards healing is getting some of that power back is getting some of that sense of control getting some of that sense of being who you are is that how yeah. you see it Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is spot on. And Bessel van der Kolk talks about the healing from trauma uh, uh, coming when we arrive here and now. And I think that is about stepping into our power. And, and that's sort of what, we're, what we talk about um, when we start to talk about the yoga. That is exactly what the intention is. It's about feeling uh, moment by moment, 
that we do have agency and that's the antidote to to the experience of having no control at all and particularly uh, particularly when that happens at a young age so in the developing brain it is it is interesting and important perhaps to define a difference between when trauma happens when it happens is very significant as well so in the you know diagnostic world we could define the difference between PTSD and complex PTSD which was not recognized for a really long time yep. but the impact of of that situation of having no power no control no choice in a young developing brain, particularly if that harm is being caused by a caregiver, uh, is it can be quite significantly different to an experience of trauma later in life where one's experience of the world as a safe place or it is already established. So, uh, yeah, particularly, and this is where the yoga was initially developed, the uh, trauma-sensitive trauma yoga that I facilitate was developed in response to those people experiencing complex PTSD. And I also want to note that not everyone who is experienced the impact of trauma gets the diagnosis of complex PTSD or PTSD. It, 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 it's not like you have to fit in because it's quite like most um, diagnoses, quite a narrow definition, and there's lots of other ways, labelled or not, that uh, trauma can can show up for a person. But, yeah, certainly for someone whose brain has actually developed um, with that sense of I, I, I have no control, the world isn't a safe place, uh, the people who care for me are hurting me, that's confusing because I love them, et cetera, it, it's really a fundamental part of, of healing to be able to step back into feeling powerful yeah that's a vital distinction claire and you also mm -hmm. mentioned that you know uh, it's something that that affects us at a deep level inside so how does that uh, how does that kind of sit inside uh, with the yoga which is something that we do with our body how um mm -hmm. you know how what is i guess unique about yoga in a way that can help us in, mm. in dealing with trauma yeah so i i I'm not sure I'd try and define something really entirely unique to yoga as a as a tool for healing from trauma, only insofar as there is so many really um, wonderful somatic tools and practices out there and approaches, that, and they can be really useful. But I guess that body, if we think about that body-based work, we, we have a really strong understanding now that traumatic memory is held differently to non-traumatic memory and it's held so as well as the what the the brain's response to um to trauma to a traumatic experience and parts of our brain shut down and other parts are activated and um in that though it means that traumatic memory is is held in our body traumatic memory is, is held in our central nervous system and so for me personally i think bringing the our body into the healing process is, uh, personally, I think it's absolutely necessary uh, because if we're trying to think our way out of it um, or think our way through it, we're, we're missing something. And for many people who've experienced trauma, I think you mentioned before, there can be a real disconnect. It's not that we're noticing all these things going in our body, on in our body necessarily. It might be that we're not noticing at all. Yeah. 
not feeling anything, a numbing out, a dissociation, all, all sorts of ways that that could happen. But connecting back to our body, and again, if if uh, particularly in the in the space that I work in, often the our body, um, the body has been the site of the trauma. Uh, so the body, it's not just the world feels like an unsafe place. Your body feels like an unsafe yeah. place. And, and there is a, perhaps a mistrust or um, a repulsion. There's all, so many ways that that could play out, but bringing our body into it is so important. And so to come back to your question, the principles, so what is kind of um, what it, maybe not unique or maybe some parts of this are unique to, to the yoga or TCTSY, that's Trauma Centre, Trauma Sensitive Yoga, that's the modality I use in this space. So that um, practice is underpinned by a really sound trauma-informed approach and that's combined with the rich ancient teachings of Hatha Yoga. So one of the really important aspects of TCTSY, which we've already kind of touched on a little bit, is that the yoga participant has complete control of their process. So there's a shared power, a sharing of power in that shared experience of the practice and they get to make choices about how they move, if they move. And that's com- in complete contrast to the trauma dynamic, which is power over, someone taking your power away. And there's also in the in this practice a continual invitation. All of the language is invitational. So there's a continual invitation for the particip- participant to be noticing what's happening in their body. So sometimes we feel things, sometimes we don't, but it's just this invitation to notice what's happening and then make their choices based on what they're feeling. So we talk about that as um, uh, as taking effective action, noticing, making choices based on what's happening. Um, and then always this kind of ongoing invitation as well to, to practice in a way that feels safe and available rather than that external concepts often in other yoga practices, different ways of teaching, um, that there's this way of getting it right. There's praise for doing the practice a certain way. You follow instructions and um, there's this sort of you, you, you either yeah, get it right and succeed or not. <laughs> so um, <laughs> for many survivors of trauma, particularly, as I said before, if it was inflicted, uh, harm inflicted by another person, there can be that real disconnect from their body and it can be, difficult to feel much at all or it might not feel safe to focus on their body Um, but the trauma-informed yoga the TCTSY practice can provide an opportunity to safely explore movement uh, to explore choice making self-compassion connection to to oneself but also to others so it might be the yoga facilitator or if it's in a group it might be others in the space And the repetition of the practice can lead to changes in the traumatised brain. So that's really interesting, I think, because there's also a really strong underpinning of sort of the neuroscience um, and what happens to the brain in, in the experience of trauma. So we think about that as a rewiring. So through the repetition of having this experience of making choices, connecting to our body, we create, we have a, a possibility of creating new ways of acting and reacting maybe starting to turn off the autopilot program, the fire alarm of the amygdala, and, and it's that uh, sort of autopilot reaction which often keeps us hijacked by the past. So, yeah, and what I love about this practice is to me it, feel, it does feel like a really empowering process, which I think is what you were picking up on before. It's so incredibly healing to explore a way to befriend your body and your breath 
And it's so empowering to feel in charge of your body and the choices that you make. And I love the fact that you are not, we're not, you don't have to get it right. And yeah. the fact that it's completely that empowering perspective, where as you say, Claire, it's about instead about making choices that are right mm. for you. And yeah. am I right then in saying that maybe then your body is almost guiding you in Absolutely. what you need to do? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. That is that is absolutely what that, that is the intention of the practice. With with the facilitator, with you know, if I'm facilitating, I'm there offering, you know, giving options, guiding, so that if you're not if it's difficult to tune into your body and really know I'm not feeling much at all, you can of course follow what I'm doing. But if I'm lifting my arms up over my head because my shoulders are feeling okay and that feels safe for me to do that, you might be choosing to lift your arms, but only to take them a few centimetres away from your body. So it might be the same movement, but the range of movement or the the way that you move, or it could be something completely different, or you might choose not to move at all. It's quite, it can be quite a profound experience to just suddenly be in charge. Yeah, absolutely. And you have, um, yourself, what is, how did you come into this world? Because you, you have such a strong connection to the work that you're doing um how how did all of that come about yeah well there is a really um a real drive in me I can see that there's a real drive in me (laughs) to work to walk beside people who are healing from trauma and I feel I do feel really honored to be able to do to do that to do this work um and because I actually feel that in that process of what I would maybe call trauma stewardship just walking beside there's actually so much healing and growth for me as well. And I would say that um, over time, as my own understanding of trauma has expanded, I I guess I've come to reframe many of my own life experiences and the impact um, that those experiences have had. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty honest with myself that my attraction to this work (laughs) might partly come from my own need for meaning making and resolution. That's powerful, Claire, because that's I think we always, yeah, we always want to have that. It has to feel real, right? It, it I mean, yeah. especially this type of work where you, you're, you're helping and you're guiding people and supporting them in what might be a tremendously challenging yeah. part of their life. Yeah. I mean, you want it to be personal. You want it to be something that helps you feel like you are making a difference. Yeah. So I really want to champion you, Claire, for doing <laughs> this, this, this incredible work because I think it's, it's where power. Oh, yeah, well. and the the I think that it, so on that note, Joe, it's probably um, it could be you know it's a good segue to another really important principle in this practice. Probably part of the reason I'm really drawn to it is a commitment to authenticity, and uh, often people who've experienced trauma have a really good radar. If I'm allowed to swear, they have a really good bullshit radar. So <laughs> you know, so something about this practice, there's very strong principles in the practice so if you go to someone who's facilitating TCTSY there's certain ways that the 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 practice is delivered you know that's invitational there's um, shared power there's no right and wrong there's really there'd be similarities but a really important thing that um, is important in this space personally I think it's a very very strong value of mine across the board but in this space is the authenticity to show up as, as you are and practicing uh, facilitating the practice inviting into the practice in a way that is real because the the um 
that particularly with the complex trauma with the childhood stuff that kind of um mistrust or you know what the danger involved in something not being as it seems is it can be really potent yeah yeah wow that's i'm glad that you brought that up because it's it's really important uh also for feeling safe essentially yes yes and Claire, what do you feel is, because I guess there's, you know, misconceptions about yoga and, and also like how it specifically might apply to, to mm. dealing with trauma. So yeah. what do you think, what might be like the biggest misconception around mm. yoga and, and how it works around trauma as well? Yeah, yeah. There's so there's a few misconceptions I think. So cool. um, both about tr- yoga and about specifically um, it, its application to to working, you know, with with survivors of trauma. So probably one of the biggest that I've observed um, in, around yoga generally is this, you know, this idea that you have to be a certain shape or size, a certain level of fitness yes. or flexibility to be able to practice yoga. And that mis- misconception is completely perpetuated by what we could maybe call the yoga industry um, and and that idea that yoga is for a certain type mm. of person. So, you know, often when I am talking to, to a person who might be interested in the yoga or someone might have referred them and said this could be good, they'll say, oh, I'm not very, I don't, I'm not very flexible or I don't, you know, and, and, and they've even got to the point where they're inquiring. There's lots of people that might not even get there. So that's a huge misconception conception about um, who yoga is for and then particularly of course in what we're talking about that combined with our perception of ourselves. Yes. I'm this kind of person I you know uh, it often means the yoga space and yoga practice feels inaccessible to all sorts of people including you know n- not exclusively but but really including survivors of trauma and that is partly where this practice developed is like well, this you know this is a useful practice for people but people don't feel safe in a yoga studio so yeah it might not feel safe for someone who's experienced trauma to be in there for example being asked to close your eyes and lie still and relax while someone's telling you what you should be doing on your yoga mat could feel incredibly unsafe it could be triggering for someone who's got trauma you know they're holding trauma in their body and one one of the misconceptions about yoga being useful in trauma healing is maybe this idea that there's a certain way of practicing yoga, perhaps a sequence or a particular pose that can fix an issue, you know. I'm saying that in inverted commas, fix the specific issue that someone might be dealing with. When I was first in this space, a lot of my yoga colleagues would say, oh, what, you know, asking what, what sequence, what would I teach? Uh, that's a complete misconception. <laughs> Conception. Firstly, as um, I've mentioned, there are, there's many common impacts of trauma, which is useful to normalise. There's also such an enormously wide spectrum of how trauma might be carried that there just couldn't be one stop, a one-stop fix. And the healing actually comes from learning to tune in, as you were pointing out before, listening to our own body, to trust our own, or own inner experience as a guide. So it's about having this opportunity to practice making choices. And then, of course, all the benefits of yoga, moving it, being in our body, stretching, of course, is, is there's lots of benefits to that, which have been measured for a long time. We know that yoga is a good thing <laughs> to do, but how we do, how we experience it is important. And, and another, maybe another misconception might be that 
um, which is important to note, um, is that yoga is this great relaxing you know, restful, peaceful experience for someone. And, and you know, the, the idea that that is going to be the experience for someone who's living with enormous amounts of anxiety or stress or restlessness as a result of their trauma is is misleading. So many, I, I think many people who've practised TCTSY could attest the the practice is not always relaxing or peaceful that bliss blissful experience that beams out at us from yoga flyers and and magazines you know it, it kind of sets us up for a feeling of I'm doing something wrong I you know it, it, there might be some of, of that there may be moments of that or that might be the experience don't get me wrong people have certainly said oh my god I have not felt you know I have not felt so relaxed in my body ever you know yeah. but there's also the potential for that experience of noticing our body, connecting to our body to be really scary. Or maybe we notice just how much tension is there or maybe we're just completely unable to relax at all. You know, mind, what we notice is our mind is, is busy. But the great thing in the TCTSY practice is we're exploring how to meet that, to know that whatever turns up in our practice is absolutely fine. We're spending time to connect, however awful, that might potentially be, and allows an opportunity to increase our tolerance of those more difficult emotions and sensations, the ones that might be actually regularly overwhelming us. But we're having this opportunity to observe or meet those emotions and sensations in a space that is being held for us. It's a space that's being held safely for us. There's guidance to be here and now and an invitation, an opportunity to be in charge. So choosing a different shape, a different movement, another um, another option to move out of that position rather than freeze in that moment and, and find something that does help us to feel a bit more regulated. And there's no particular outcome we're seeking in the practice. There's no, as you were saying before, there's no way to succeed or fail which is quite refreshing. Yes. It's just an it's just an invitation to show up. And that's, you know, which is again quite a quite a refreshing experience. Love that Claire. I love the fact that you know we that because there's no set outcome that means you can't fail. Yeah. And that means yeah. it makes it so much more safe to try. And Absolutely. I, I, and I also feel like your your insights and like when you're talking about the misconceptions, they're hard earned, right? You, you've you been at this for a while and you've seen yeah. how things work and how things change and how things really are in yeah. real life. So tell me, how did your approach um, to the, the way that you do yoga, the way that you do you know, obviously trauma-centered yeah. yoga, how, how did your approach evolve over time? To, to be what yeah. it is now. Yeah, sure. So I'll go back all all the way, a long way, um, when I was a student. So um, start doing doing subjects at uni where um, I was really starting to examine the politics of power, I would say is where it started. Wow. <laughs> um, and so since then I've sort of used that lens to view the world. Um, and, and then with this innately, uh, I think, strong sense of justice and I hope compassion, I have always been really driven to make the world a better place through empowering people who've experienced harm, whether that's personal or systemic. So there's just a, there's a big drive in me. So maybe for, you know, my, my own reasons stemming from my experience, I was really drawn very quickly to um, 
to workplaces with a feminist ideology. And one of my first full-time jobs was working as a counsellor and, and an advocate in a sexual assault support and crisis service in Melbourne. So at that around that same time, I was exploring yoga, again, through some, you know, unknown drive, just as a personal practice. Um, and over time, over, you know, probably a couple of years, I decided I wanted to teach. So I, because I loved it so much, I found it so useful, I committed myself to two years of teacher training. So I got my certification. I was working um, part-time in a community for homeless women, still doing some work in the sexual assault service, uh, starting to teach yoga classes in various studios and workplaces. But it <laughs> pretty soon became obvious to me that only teaching yoga in that way to people who could afford it, um, people who had the confidence to come along, to um, for people who felt comfortable in that body-based practice, it wasn't really the long-term game for me because, I, you know, I'm exposed to this other part of the world where there's so much harm and hurt and, and mm, they weren't connecting. So um, I kept up my work in various community crisis organisations and then probably about 12 years ago came a phone call that really, I would say, changed my whole working life. So it was another sexual assault service in Melbourne that had contacted me knowing my experience in, that, in, in the space, um, knowing I was teaching yoga and asked if I might come and deliver the yoga component of their body-based therapies program. Um, so then with, there was a couple of fantastic colleagues that I was working with there. We developed a, the yoga program within the service, lots of tweaks and changes as we went along and we're collecting feedback. It's a really important part of for, for me as well that there's this sort of two-way process, um, feedback as to how people were experiencing it. Uh, so at that same time, around that same time as we're going along, I came across the really incredible and useful resources that were available from the trauma centre in Boston. It really, um, it was really useful and it was very affirming of what I was doing because there was a lot of crossover, but I guess because it's trauma-informed. So if you're doing trauma-informed work, there are some common threads. Um, but I contacted Dave Emerson, who heads that up. He was the guy who really developed TCTSY. That's trauma centre, trauma-sensitive yoga. It's the only ever really strongly evidence-based um, trauma-informed yoga. Uh, contacted him, told him about my program. He said it sounded great. And then I signed up and did their certification program, which was a marvellous program. I was really impressed and it really... Um, consolidated what I was doing and connected me to a network of, of people. So from there, I've continued working using the TCTSY practice in groups, um, with individuals, in organisations. I still, after all this time, I find it absolutely incredible to see what a profound impact the practice can provide. And it's often working, you know, often it's that experience for people who've never felt able to explore a yoga practice before. It's really inspiring to see people stepping into their power. Even it might just be in small glimpses. It's, you know, often the healing process is bumpy. It's not linear. It's not easy. But finding a way to be in your body, again, it might just be for a moment, but it's such an important component of being here and now arriving in the present and there's this potential when we do that to write ourselves a different story you know to write a new story to step into where we we can make choices yes absolutely and i uh, i also want to bring up your point about how the journey you know towards healing from trauma it's it's a 
it's a bumpy ride, right? There is. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, 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 not, it's not perfect. And I think that's in itself is yeah. empowering, right? To know that, you know, you don't have to yeah. be perfect. You can, Correct. sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, and you, you're trying yeah. to kind of feel your way through it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I love that, that, that you also went on your own journey to finding kind of your approach and the way that you do things now that's yeah. really come through, through, you know, working with people and counseling yeah. and supporting them in different yeah. ways. And then kind of yoga kind of came into that world and, yeah. and kind of blended itself uh, you know, in, in just in, uh, in the work that you're doing today. Yeah. So tell me, like, if someone was to come into, you know, a, a session today, like, yeah. what does, what does a trauma-informed yoga, what does, what does it look like? What does it feel yeah. like? I'm going to talk you through. I'm going to talk you through cool. a session. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine yourself there. Okay, so um, first of all, at the beginning of a session, so participant, I probably begin by sort of in, inviting people to bring into their space anything that might support them in their practice. I've usually got, you know, it might be a chair, blankets, cushion, maybe a glass of water, anything. It might be, you know, it might be there might be a comfort object, sometimes a particular blanket, et cetera. So whatever you think might support you, if you've got some physical restrictions, it might be making sure there's a chair or, you know, certain things to support your body. Then as we move into the practice together, and I'm describing this, this could be one-on-one. Um, -on -one. This could be me working with an individual client where there is the capacity for a lot more back and forwards because you can sort of have a direct moment of, oh, this is what's happening for me and that guides the practice. Or, But it's the same format in a group. It just is less back and forwards. It's me inviting and, and sort of facilitating. Um, but we, we probably, the practice itself, we probably would start with some grounding Maybe we'd be sort of orientating ourselves briefly in the space, then an invitation to maybe start orientating ourselves in our body. So that, you know, it's just kind of just check in. What does it beginning to um, maybe to notice your body through some movement, a curiosity about what that movement might um, you know, any sensation that that movement might generate. And then through, then it kind of moves on to, to a series of movements and shapes and forms, including, you know, traditional yoga poses. And, you know, the key being participants can experiment with making choices about their practice based on what they're noticing and based on really what feels available and safe for them at any time changing their mind. Um, that means the practice often looks really different for different people who are participating, particularly, obviously, if it's a group. It could include staying seated close to the floor, could mean perhaps sitting up onto a chair, maybe standing right up onto their feet, could mean having their eyes open or closed at various times. It could mean being curious about the range of movement, as we were talking about before, the pace of movement. There's a real curiosity rather than right or wrong. Um, maybe exploring what it's like to not move at all. That can be quite an interesting wow. choice to make. There's someone here at the front of this group inviting me to move and I don't want to. I've had people just lie on their mat for the whole practice and that's what they needed just to be in a safe space wow. where they could rest. Um, there's often an invitation through that part of the practice to explore noticing your breath. Sometimes feel safe. It might, might feel okay. Sometimes doesn't feel feel safe. We could continue with movement instead. Um, but there's also uh, often this opportunity to explore synchronicity of movement with breath. So you might find sort of a two part movement, 
and see how it feels to synchronize. So we get that possibility of creating rhythm in our body, a feeling of connection. The the meaning of the word yoga is to unite. So this sense of connecting, connecting yoga, uh, through yoga, your breath, your body, your movement. And if you're in a group, can be quite powerful because there's it's not unusual for there to be quite a lot of um, isolation um, for survivors of trauma. So to be part of a group first and foremost, and then to be sort of in that uh, experience of sharing a movement for there perhaps to be this synchronicity has its own um, has its own power. Then following that exploration of movement, we would typically take some time for a restoration an opportunity to sort of take some time to rest and see what that might be like, if it's possible at all. Might be sitting, might be lying. So, you know, often that's in a, in a tr- more traditional yoga setting. It's a shavasana, lying down on the ground, but it could be anywhere. It could be sitting with some support of a wall or a chair, resting on the floor, on your back, on your side, whatever. Um, maybe still, because that might be, you know, might be just this opportunity to rest in stillness, but also that recognition that stillness may not feel safe. So you might be maintaining some movement. Um, if it's more restful to have your eyes open, eyes open. If you if you want to see what it's like to close eyes, closing eyes. Um, to be honest, every practice is unique because I'm tuning into also to my body and being guided what I notice, as well as what I'm noticing about the person or people that I'm practicing with. But the key, which I hope is really apparent, is that there's no right or wrong. We've, we can't stress that enough. We're, we're practising together and I can offer particular invitations and options. Each person is curating their own practice based on, you know, meeting their needs, which can change from practice to practice. It can change from moment to moment, but they're in charge. Yeah, fantastically. I love your kind of descriptive language and and the fact that it's always everything that you are talking about, every step is about choice, it's about Mm. empowerment. And you mentioned the group dynamic, which is so vital. Mm. You are around people who are also, um, in a way, I guess you're peeling uh, agents or in some way uh, or supporters and you're doing it together in the space. Yeah, and, and so powerful to be in that nonverbal space. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear that this isn't a support group. You know, you, we're not coming in. We don't have to put words to what happened to us. Yes. And yet what I find quite um, uh, profound or, or there's a real sense for me of this, maybe it's kind of a camaraderie or something because everyone's in the room. Everyone knows that everyone else in the room has experienced trauma. Yep. We don't know, need to know the detail because I think, you know, as we were saying before, right from the beginning, you know, thinking about the impact of the trauma, that actually is what you're doing in the therapeutic work, whether it's, you know, even in talking, not necessarily um, talking on you know, again and again about what happened to me, but actually fighting those demons of, oh, I'm hopeless, I'm not good enough, and why is this not happening quicker? And it's uh, that reassurance that there, there's there, there's no time frame on this. And we get the micro moments of you, things are changing. I had that moment and I told that person, no, I don't want to do that. Wow. You know, and so in the group, very, very powerful. We don't always have words. In trauma, That link, the, the, the part of our brain where there is language shuts down. So there often aren't words. 
Um, the way we experienced it is sensory. That's why, you know, that the, the triggers and flashbacks, it's a, it's a smell or a colour or a, it because that's the part of our brain which is activated when we're in survival mode. So this is really powerful to come together. Don't, you can be completely anonymous. You can come in. There, there is often, um, particularly when I was, I mean, for years and years I was running a, a, a group um, in over in the west of Melbourne. And so people, you know, there were people and they might go disappear for a year and then they'd come back. But there were some people that were really consistent. And then, of course, um, there is that possibility and opportunity for connection. There's no expectation of it. Someone might go, hey, do you want to go and get a coffee after we finish our practice? Someone else might be like, I am, no words, I'm out that door, I'm going home to just see where this lands in my body. But, yeah, the group can be, um, and, and the nonverbal practice, and, again, there's lots of nonverbal somatic practices that tap into shifting that stuff in, in a physical sense is, is, you know, very powerful. Super powerful, Claire, because it's, it's, I love this uh, idea that you're describing of not using words but still mm. be in a way that you are moving forward in a way that is meaningful for you, that helps yeah. you in feeling better and helps mm. you to, as you say, to, to live aside um, some of those personal demons that might, might come up and st still feel that maybe you're, you're taking those steps on this journey towards healing. Mm. Claire, if somebody wanted to find out more about, you know, trauma um, sensitive yoga or wanted to find out more about you and yeah. the work that you're doing, um, what would you have them do? Yeah, so um, I would probably, I have got a website. Unfortunately, I'm pretty hopeless at keeping it up to date in terms of current <laughs> courses and things, but it, it would be a place to go hopefully um, for a bit of a picture of who I am and what I do. And um, in terms of TCTSY, um, trauma-sensitive trauma yoga, there's really great information, including research and articles, lots of, you know, studies that have been done and, and, and um, bits and pieces in there on the TCTSY website. So, um, so if, if someone was interested in exploring a practice with me, I'd invite them to contact me, like an email maybe, even a phone call. We could have a chat about what that might look like or if there's something that I can direct them to something that would suit them better, et cetera. Um, but maybe we can pop in the podcast page those details. Is that, is that, is that a good way to yeah, do 100%. that? Yeah, 100%. We'll do that. Yeah. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective on uh, trauma and yoga and how vital that can be in helping us heal and just want to say a huge thank you to what you do out in the world claire because it's it's so critical to helping more of us heal and feel better and lead ultimately happier more fulfilled lives. thank you thank you being. so much joe pleasure to be here thanks so much <laughs> thank you for being here my friend I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it, it serves you in some way, because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and 
and this incredible potential of what they're capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by. What I tell myself, so tell my loved ones, that's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. Whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war. Bring together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com. That's J-O-E at powertobehappy.com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time.